You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. In today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to lay out a short and sweet planning method to help you scout efficiently as we get closer to early spring and prime time for most of your postseason scouting. It'll be key to remember what the main focus is for postseason scouting, not only what you can learn but also what you can't, to lay out a goal for each day and the season overall, and to really be methodical in that approach to ensure you gather the most amount of good intel in the time that you have available. A quick reminder, as I had also mentioned in the intro to the last episode, I've started creating some content for the Hunt Better platform. I'm looking to have the main founder on in an upcoming episode to help explain more about what it is and why it exists. In the short term though, I am doing a live stream on Thursday, February 23rd, which should also be the day that this episode launches. So if you're listening to this right away, you'll have a chance to still go and check that out and bring any questions you might want me to answer live. I've also got a few detailed hunt breakdowns with detailed background information and animated maps on the website as well. Uh, that can be found at huntbetter.us. Before we get started, I have a quick message about the Spartan Forge app, which you can get a 20% discount on by using the code DIY. The app allows you to do all of your standard mapping, navigation in the field, and waypoint management. You can currently choose from three different satellite views, topo, and in many areas, aerial imagery at multiple time points throughout history, view public and private lands, color code your permission status on those private lands, view all of your forecasted and historical weather info, add journaling entries for your hunts that automatically tag the weather conditions and wind for that time period, and view a deer movement prediction powered by machine learning based on collared deer studies across the country. I also have a walkthrough video posted on my YouTube channel that you can use to physically see the app in more detail. And with that, let's dive back into the episode. All right, so in this episode, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of summarize my general strategy for early spring scouting. And it's certainly not, you know, the best way or the only way, but it's a way that I've found to be pretty efficient and basically learning as much as I can with whatever time I have available. And that could just be an overall amount of time, but also it could simply be the amount of time that you have to scout any given area, right? If you're casting a really wide net, maybe you're only allocating yourself a couple of days to scout a particularly big piece of land that you'd like to get some intel on. So those are all based on choices you have to make. Uh, but this way allows me to at least be a little bit more methodical in my approach. And overall, I feel like it's been quite useful. So the first thing first is to kind of establish what the goal is, right? 
really for early spring scouting for me anyway, at least it's trying to take one of the least intrusive times of year to do some of the most intrusive types of scouting. So really nothing, even bedding areas would be off limits. Things that I wouldn't necessarily do in in-season scouting, I would certainly do in postseason scouting. Really, this is the opportunity to go ahead and do that. So realize too that there are things that you can really do a good job of learning in this postseason scouting. There's other things that are kind of hard to learn uh, in postseason scouting. And I've definitely fallen into the trap in years past of trying to put too much stock into postseason scouting and kind of neglecting the in-season scouting. And I've definitely over the years developed more of a happy balance between the two. But what you can definitely learn in postseason scouting is potential bedding locations. You can find potential food sources that are going to be used throughout the year. You can certainly find rut sign and you can take the opportunity to really try and pick some of the best trees to be able to hunt out of knowing that the foliage is going to be down and the woods are going to look very similar this time of year to what they might look like in say November. You can also to a certain extent be able to learn on occasion what bucks made it through the hunting season. And really the only way you'd be able to tell that is if, let's say you had really specific information about, uh, let's say like a track that a certain deer was leaving, or if you have trail cameras out that time of year and you happen to get photos of a buck, you know, after the seasons were over and he still had his antlers, or you just happen to find his sheds. Uh, there's been a couple of deer where I have found their sheds, I'd say accidentally, because I don't often go out with the sole intention of looking for sheds. Uh, but just by nature of finding some of those sheds have been able to at least figure out, Hey, this deer made it through, you know, the hunting season at a minimum. You're also going to be able to learn where some of the hunting pressure occurs, especially if you've got guys who are either leaving tree stands or leaving trail cameras, leaving some kind of hunter sign in the woods, whether it's, you know, trash or, you know, an accidentally dropped bow hook or something along those lines. And you're going to be able to really figure out a great lay of the land. You can really see a long ways with the foliage down and one of my favorite times of the year to just kind of, you know, sit down and take in what the landscape looks like. Imagine how the wind is going to be moving through the terrain, how the thermals might act. And depending on what wind directions you have, you can get a little bit more detailed information, even run some studies where you might be taking the time to see what the wind's doing, let's say on a certain hillside with a certain wind direction at a certain time of day. So you can get an idea for whether or not you can get away with hunting a certain spot come November. Now on the flip side, like I mentioned, you really can't learn everything in postseason scouting. And what I mean by that, well, there's certainly going to be a lack of knowledge on what the actual food sources might be. You know, there's weather phenomenon, like you could have a you know major drought over the summer, you could have flooding, things that could affect what the actual food sources will look like during the upcoming hunting season. Uh, you're not really going to have a great idea usually of what the acorn crop would be like you can maybe estimate it based on what the prior year's crops have been like but you'll get a much better feel for that come late summer other things you won't really be able to do a great job of learning during postseason scouting is going to be let's say which deer made it all the way through to the hunting season uh, even if you find a deer sheds you know that he made it through the hunting season there's a lot of things that could happen between that time of year and the next september uh, least of which that deer could be you know, hit by a car in the summer when he's in velvet. You're not going to learn where all of the hunters hunt. You're going to find where the guys who leave the most obvious amount of hunter sign hunt, but there's a lot of guys that are doing the mobile hunting thing nowadays. And unless you get really good at uh, looking for marks on trees from climbing sticks or other climbing methods, or if guys are leaving trail cameras out, 
there's a lot of guys that are bouncing around quite a bit and it can be really hard to figure out where those guys are hunting just based on some of your postseason scouting. So certainly take in mind where you find other hunter sign, but just keep in mind also that you might not be getting the whole entire picture. Some of that's better found during the season when you're actually able to keep tabs on people and where they're going. The other thing that I think it's a little bit more challenging to figure out in postseason scouting is early and very late season hunting strategies. I'd say if you're a rut hunter, it can be one of the best times to do your scouting because that sign once again is so obvious and generally the woods are going to look very similar during the rut to what they would look like right now. However, for early season and late season, if you got a bunch of snow on the ground or, you know, the flip side early season, you got a bunch of foliage on the trees, it's going to look a lot different. The patterns aren't going to be quite the same. And when the deer are leaving the sign and all that foliage and all that tall grass is up, it's not going to come through as obviously when you're doing that postseason scouting. And you might be tempted to start the season and go into some of those areas that you remember having the most sign, but the deer might not be doing those exact patterns. And so early season, I find you definitely got to rely a little bit more on some of your most recent information and some of the trail camera and boots on the ground glassing uh, type of work and looking to see what those hot food sources are and be able to figure out where the bedding might be because it might be in a different spot uh, compared to where you're finding some of these real obvious beds in the postseason. Now, I think acknowledging all of that and knowing all of that is helpful because it helps you plan. At least it helps me plan what is my intent. What am I hoping to find? What am I going to ignore? What am I not going to try to find? Just so that I can lay out a little bit more clear picture of what I need to accomplish for a given day and then also what I need to accomplish for a certain area with how much time I'm going to give to it. In certain areas, I might be focusing on betting and trying to find as much betting as possible. In other areas, especially if it's areas that I plan on maybe going just out of state to and I'm not going to be able to scout a whole lot there, but I also think that I'm probably going to be hunting it around the rut, I might look at betting as somewhat secondary uh, I might be able to at least assume where it is, but then really look for rut sign adjacent to bedding. And I might not care quite as much about what the exact beds look like. But point being, I have a plan usually going into that. The other question you can ask yourself from a high level is, is most of the scouting you're going to try and do to try and expand and give yourself a little bit wider net and be able to look at places that you maybe haven't hunted in the past and give yourself more options, more fallback plans, let's say, if you're primary hunting strategy isn't working out super great in the season? Or are you really just trying to learn a deeper and deeper knowledge and a deeper lay of the land and areas that you've been hunting already for quite a bit of time and you're just trying to get that extra level of detail? Especially if you're hunting really big properties, really big pieces of land, you can only scout and you can only learn so much in any one given year. But you always learn stuff throughout the season and then when you look back on what you learned, there's always questions. And so this postseason opportunity gives you a chance to go back into those pieces that you learn and answer those questions. You know, why did I see deer coming up from this direction? Where, where might they have been coming from? Well, now is your opportunity to go figure that out. If you got a lot of smaller properties around, that's usually where I uh, kind of feel like maybe volume is a little bit better. And you can definitely take the strategy of getting a little bit of information about a lot of pieces. And then you can try and figure them out during the season. I know uh, quite a few guys personally who excel at that type of strategy. I would almost say that if you are somebody who's maybe newer to it, there's nothing wrong with it. It may even be to your benefit to try and use this time frame to get a better feel for pieces that you've already started to hunt and 
have got some experience with. And then you can use that scouting this time of year as a back and forth to train yourself and fill in the gaps of what you saw in the season, give yourself a little bit more information. And then when you go into the next season, you'll once again, start filling in that back and forth where what you learn in the fall feeds off of what you learned in the spring. And then what you learned in the spring helps inform your next fall. And then over time, you really do start to develop a little bit better understanding of how the deer live and, you know, work through a specific piece of land. That said, if you're somebody who's maybe a little bit more experienced and are good at reading maps and maybe are somebody who only wants to target a deer of a certain size, uh, a lot of the friends that I have who use this method, that's kind of their thing. They, they might not assume that a deer that they want to go after lives on any given specific piece of public land or any piece of permission that they happen to have. They want lots of options and then they find the deer first. And then once they find a deer that they want to go after or several, then they kind of narrow in on the specific property and they might not care as much this time of year, you know, exactly which piece of land they're going to. So that can kind of limit the amount of time that's spent on any one given piece, but because they have a high volume and they feel like they're able to really fill in the gaps during the season with some of that in-season scouting and most recent information that can tend to be a still very viable and very productive way to spend your time. So once you've kind of decided which camp you sort of fall into and what type of scouting you want to be able to accomplish and also what your main goals are and what you're going to look to try and find, then you can start to look at your spring and say, okay, well, how many weekends am I going to have? Or how many weekdays, how many days overall am I I going to have to be able to scout? How many pieces of property do I want to try and scout? and then try and break it up. You know, what's feasible, what's possible. Are you going to have four days to scout? Are you going to have 30 days to scout? Uh, I know some guys, it seems like they don't have jobs because they're out in the woods, just literally all the time. Uh, and certainly I'm a little envious of that, but maybe that's not your situation. What I've tended to find is that for me, if I have a full day of scouting, you know, pretty much dark to dark, I might cover anywhere from five to 15 miles. Totally depends on the terrain, depends on how diverse it is, depends on what the habitat is like. If it's areas that are maybe more sparse and I have to travel a long distance on foot to get between pockets of better areas, then I tend to put on a little bit more mileage. Uh, If it's hill country, for whatever reason, I seem to put on more mileage as well. But in areas that are flat or marshy or just have a high level of diversity and very dense, low to the ground cover. I don't seem to cover as much ground on any given day. And I think that's just because I, I spend more time and move a little bit more slowly trying to make sure I don't miss anything. Whereas in some of the more open timber, you're able to see a little bit further and you're able to, you know, really move quickly in areas that are more dead zones and then do some pre-planning. Don't just say, Oh, I'm going to go hunt, you know, X, Y, Z, W, M, A, and I'm going to try and get 12 miles in today and just set an arbitrary goal and then just basically go wing it and just, you know, monitor your mileage, do a little due diligence on the front end of it and get out your e-scouting app, whether it's, you know, Spartan Forge or whatever, and establish a plan. And I find that the most efficient use of my time tends to be if I can draw loops that maximize the amount of time that I'm walking on transitions. So let's say, I have a piece of property that I could legitimately do 10 miles in, but I might find that 
if I do two separate loops from the road, let's say one loop is three miles total and I cover a lot of transition area there. And then the next loop is, let's say also from the road, uh, and it's, you know, four miles or four and a half. I could probably hit those two loops and cover, you know, seven and a half total miles versus just covering the full 10 miles and doing that entire coverage in one go and probably not miss a whole lot. If you're walking on the transitions, you're going to find deer sign. If there's deer, they're using that area pretty heavily. And certainly you can use your intuition and spend more time in areas and, and take little divergences to check out stuff more specifically. But if you're walking transition lines and you're not seeing a lot of sign, you can probably keep on going at a pretty fast rate and walk through that ground until you start to get to an area where you're starting to see more deer sign and it, it indicates to you that you do want to slow down. If you spend a lot of time walking through areas that are more monotonous or just open timber or through the middle of like open prairie, you might learn stuff and you might see deer sign, but it's going to be harder to connect the dots in terms of making inferences to what that sign actually means, where it's coming from, where it's going to, and it's probably going to end up leading you to a transition line anyway. So areas with transition and lots of edge, I tend to try and focus more time on and try to minimize the amount of time that I'm spending walking through areas that are not very diverse. And then you can take those areas that you want to go check out and you can draw some of these sample loops where you're covering a lot of that diversity and you keep those loop sizes between, you know, three and seven miles and you see how many you can come up with. And if you come up with more than you can realistically get done in the amount of time that you're going to have to do your postseason scouting, then maybe you got to try and pick the ones that are most important. Or you might find that, Hey, I can get all that done in three weekends and I'm going to have more time than that. So you can go ahead and add some more, but allowing you to kind of plan your season out like that, or, you know, plan your postseason out like that will allow you to make sure you're maximizing that amount of time. And certainly you can deviate from the plan based on what you learned. Maybe one area you go to is just kind of dead, but then the next loop you take, you found a ton of sign and you say, I want to spend more time in there. And you go ahead and you expand on that loop a little bit more and spend a little bit more time in it, turn it into, you know, several scouting trips that you go out and learn that uh, particular little loop more like the back of your hand. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. Uh, really the focus here, or the, the key takeaway is if you do that planning on the front end, it gives you a lot of options. So hopefully you found some of that information useful and might even be able to put some of it to good use over the next few months. That'll do it for this week's episode. As always, make sure to follow the Sportsman's Empire on Instagram and Facebook. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're looking for additional content from myself, subscribe to DIY Sportsman on YouTube and hit the bell icon to be notified of new videos. You can also follow DIY underscore Sportsman on Instagram. And with that, thanks for listening.